0: Good morning and welcome to our services at the Boomville Church of Christ. We especially want to welcome any visitors that are watching online this morning. Uh, we uh, have Brother Bo that will be leading us in song this morning and Brother Ken Forrest will uh, bring us the message of the hour. Uh, we want to re- continue to remember all of our members who are sick and need our prayers. Uh, we want to... Uh, share some good news this morning uh next sunday august 30th we will meet in person again here at the church and then that following wednesday night september 2nd we will meet uh for the first time in a long time on a wednesday night and there will be more details on what that will look like uh, later on we'll probably fill you in on some details on that next sunday we do want to specifically remember Miss Joan Mormon in prayers this morning. She will be having surgery this week. And we also uh, want to continue to remember Miss Pat Green, who is undergoing uh, cancer treatments every other week right now. Please continue to remember her in our prayers and join in right now as Bo comes to lead us in song. <clears throat>
1: First song this morning, Faith is the Victory. Sing along with me at home as we worship God together. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise. And press the battle, let the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be heard. Faith is a victory, we know, that overcomes the world. Faith is a victory, faith is a victory, O glorious victory, that overcomes the world. To him that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall be given. Before the angels, he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light, our hearts with love aflame will vanquish all the host of night in Jesus conquering name. Faith is a victory. Faith is a victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Psalm before opening prayer, take time to be holy. Take time to be holy, speak off with thy Lord. Almighty in him always And feed on his word May friends of God's children Help those who are weak Forgetting in nothing His blessings to see Take Time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. Almighty in Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Thy in thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy. Be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive, be neath his control. Thus led by his spirit to fountains of love, now soon shall be fitted for service above.
0: Bow with me. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the many, many blessings you have given us. God, thank you for this beautiful day. And God, please help us all pause today and remember each of the many blessings you've given, each and every one of us. This morning, God, we ask you far more faith to see us through trying times. We ask you for wisdom to help us see and discern right from wrong. God, there's just so much we don't know. And we lean on you and we lean on your word. And God, we lean on each other. Please help us to remember you in all that we do and to put you first in all that we do. This morning, God, there are those that are sick and hurting. We especially want to remember Pat Green. We want to remember Joan Mormon. Lift them up to you this morning. and God, we lift Brother Ken up to you this morning as he's about to stand before us and, and bring us your word. God, we ask that you be with us this week. Please help us be the light of the world that you ask us to be. Help us pick each other up when we fall. Help us strengthen one another. And God, let us depend on you for everything. We love you and we thank you. And God, we ask you to please forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Living by faith. I cannot today what the morrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth over everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confide in his great love, from a homestead in a sheltering arm, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm, I know that he safely will carry me through. No matter what evils be tied, the Lord of no chance into tempest may blow if Jesus walks close to my side, living my faith. And Jesus above, trusting, confide in his great love. From a home safe in a sheltering heart. I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. A song before Brother Ken's message this morning: Faith of Our Fathers. Faith of our Father's living still, in spite of dungeon fire and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy, whene'er we hear that glorious word. Faith of our Father's holy Till death, faith of our fathers, we will love both friend and foe in all our strife, and preach thee to as love knows how by kindly words and virtuous lie. Faith of our Father's holy faith. We will be true to thee till death.
2: Good evening to everyone. It's great to have you here this morning. We're thankful for your ability and desire to be a part of our worship this morning. I know that we have folks who tune in from various places, but especially we're thankful for our own membership and the, the dedication that you have all made to being a part of the work that's being done here in Boonville, Mississippi. We are looking so forward to being back together on the 30th. That's just next Sunday. And following that, to be able to gather during the middle of the week to study God's Word on Wednesday. This is, this is terrific. We have a lot of people who have been sick who have now recovered. And we're just praying that God will give this additional launch uh, a sustained quality to it. That we'll be able to persevere and get through this pandemic together. For those of you who are still recovering or struggling with the illness, of course, we're praying for you and hopeful that all this will pass very soon. Today, we're going to talk about faith, and we're going to to strive to build our own faith by, by looking back, looking at the examples of faith of some of our heroes of Scripture. We're going to take our instruction from the book of Hebrews actually from chapter 12, that's where we'll begin our study, but we'll be reflecting back on those characters that are mentioned in chapter 11. So I want to encourage you to open your Bible up to those passages and be ready be ready to, I guess, take in the instruction that the lives of those who have gone before us have left so we can learn from them, make application to our lives, and that we might make our own mark on this world by the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Before we start, let's, let's pray that God will bless us in our study here today. Our Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to be able to study together. And Lord, we've been participating in these acts of worship, and we take none of that for granted. Now is the time for us, a time of worship too, we're using your word, Lord, as the basis upon which we're able to meditate. And while we do meditate individually in our homes from day to day, it's now that we're joining our hearts and our minds together in one spirit to focus upon one concern as you're sharing your truths with us from your holy word. And I pray that I can, as a proclaimer of that truth, be able to express it in a way that people can grasp and apply to their lives. And then I pray for those who hear it that they'll receive it as I'm hoping, as I'm intending, and that they'll make use of it. That they'll not just hear it and walk away, but they'll hear it, absorb it, and then it'll make the right difference in their life. And thank you, Lord, for all that your word is able to do because it is living and powerful. Help us, Lord, to embody the truths that we learn today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking, unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our race, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So great a cloud of witnesses. You and I, as we're going through this journey of faith, we're not doing it alone. And it isn't as though they're a bunch of spectators, Uh, Oftentimes when I read that text, I think about the stadium as you've heard it described many times and people in those stands cheering us on. But really what we've got here are people who've already been through the race themselves. They've already been through struggles like or maybe even in some cases worse than the struggles that we face. And yet they endured. They had a dedication to God that just could not be overcome by the struggles that they faced. Much of what he's talking about here in particular has to do with those that he mentioned in the previous chapter. But you and I, we both know people in our own lives, maybe, who lived a faithful, dedicated life for Jesus Christ. And whether we find our encouragement and inspiration from those who are biblical characters, or whether we find our inspiration from those who have gone before us, or who are as yet in a struggle, we find comfort in knowing that we're not in this all by ourselves. We're not alone in our struggle through the life. And just as they did in the past, just as the examples who are before us now, maybe just as we see God working in our own lives, we are convinced more than ever, I pray and I hope, that God is with us, He's in control, and that on the basis of what we see and we experience, that our faith is stronger now than it's ever been before. If that's true for you, there'll be some things in our lesson here today that will just help fortify what you already have. And if it is that you're struggling right now and you're barely hanging on, maybe, I'm hoping that just this review itself will help you to hang on all the way to the very end. I want to start by just simply reviewing the faith of our fathers. Now, faith is an interesting thing, and I'll tell you, I've been in conversations with people before where I thought we were talking about faith. And we we seem to have the same conversation going on, but it, it didn't take very long to realize that, Maybe we weren't talking about the same thing. We were using the same word, using faith, but we weren't connected in our understanding of exactly what faith is. If I were to ask you to define it, you might have in mind already exactly what you think faith is, and it might be totally right. Maybe you would quote a passage of Scripture, and I'm going to mention one here in a few moments that is often helpful. Or maybe it is you're not really quite sure. It's just one of those things you know you're supposed to have and you know it when you see it, but you couldn't really define it. I've gone many years in that, understanding what faith is, but not really having a handle on defining it. And then I met a fellow who's been quite an inspiration to me, who gave me a definition of faith that I thought was spectacular, and I have held on to that definition all these years. He said that faith is a trusting confidence in the truth of a proposition based upon testimony concerning it. Now, testimony is, is the evidence given. So the idea is that faith is my confidence, my absolute trust and belief in a thing. But it isn't like a pie in the sky and the by and by. It isn't what some people would refer to as a blind faith. This definition, which I think is the biblical definition, is the idea that faith is something that I believe to be true, not because I see it, but I believe it's true because God says it's true. And whether I see it or not, I still have faith in it. Because I believe in God. Now, that goes along with a passage that many people would mention in this regard, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You've heard it many times, that we walk by faith and not by sight. And the idea there is that as I'm walking, as I'm in my journey, that God is directing those steps, right? God is showing me the way. Your word is a lamp to my feet, that idea. And so I sense that as I'm going through this life, I may not know exactly how this thing is going to unfold, but because I trust God, because I have faith in Him, I continue to take those steps because, most importantly, God said to take that step. I may not necessarily know where it goes, but God knows. And so I'm trusting God. His planting of my feet. When God says jump, I jump. And when I land, I land exactly where God intended for me to land. Now, there is another passage. I, I mentioned if I, asked, if I asked you to define it, what would you say? Some people would go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, where it says that faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence or the proof of things not seen. And again, I would suggest to you that that's exactly what our definition brought to mind. It's the assurance. I have absolute confidence that this is going to be. It's not based necessarily on what I see, but it's based on some evidence. The evidence mounts because what God has always said came to be. And so, as He's directing me now, I may not necessarily even see the end of it, but I'm going to take that step because I know my foot's going to land on solid ground. It's going to land exactly where God has instructed for me to land. I'm going to receive the promise that He's put in place. I don't know if you know anything about the African impala. Now, that's, what, that's one of those animals that lions chase, and it's just a phenomenal creature. In fact, it's a pretty small animal, but the thing can leap to a height of 10 feet. Now, I'm 6 feet 4 inches, and if I were to extend my hand as high as it'll go, I, I still can't reach 10 feet, okay? That's the idea, way, way over my head. And then, when it launches it can carry a distance over 30 feet, three times that height. Now get this, this little creature can jump a height of 10 feet, will travel over 30 feet in that leap. However, any zoo in the world can house an African impala if it will have an enclosure with a fence that's solid up to three feet high think with me now. A fence only three feet high will house an animal that can jump 10 feet high and could start its jump from 15 feet away and clear it with another 15 feet. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. And, and here's the reason that that's possible. The African Impala, while it has an incredible ability to jump, will not jump unless it can see where its feet are going to land. So if you create a blind for that animal, it'll never attempt to do what is well within its grasp. We're like that. Many of us will not leap simply because we don't know where we're going to land. Here's what faith will do for us. Faith says, here's where you're going to land You say, well, I I don't see it. No, my faith says I trust that if God says that's where I'm going to land, then that's exactly what's going to take place. I have the confidence that God is going to make that possible. So we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which easily ensnares us and let us let us run. So God wants us carrying through life. He wants us on that journey. I may not know specifically where it is that I'm headed or even where I'm going to land, but God says, I have that under control. You leap and I'll be sure that you land in the right place. First, he says, you got to rid yourself of some of these things that hold you back. I'm thinking child of God, that when you divested yourself of sin and you obeyed the gospel, that you were ready for such leaps. Did you feel that way? When you came up out of that water, didn't you think, I mean spiritually, at least in that moment, I'm practically bulletproof? <laughs> and the reason you felt that way is because a transformation had taken place in you. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I trust God. I'm living my life by faith. Now, I'm pretty sure that when you had the confidence that your sins were washed away in the waters of baptism and you came up out of that a new creature, you felt like God was in control. God was saying, you jump, and I said, Lord, I'm jumping, and I'm confident I'll land wherever it is that you intend, because you've already prepared it for me. We had that confidence. Do you still have that confidence? You know, life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. It's a long, long journey. A lot of things happen on that journey. You may not realize it by looking at me, but I'll tell you, I've actually run several marathons, and a marathon is, it's a race that's 26.2 miles long. Some people just say, can you run 26 miles? I correct them, I say, no, (laughs) 26.2, because that point two is probably the hardest part of that race. So here's how that thing goes. You've been training for months and months and you are ready. You, you've gone long distances. You're confident that you can accomplish the task. You probably haven't run that whole distance yet, but you've run significant amounts of distance such that you've built your confidence and your stamina. You're pretty sure you can do it. And so the, the few weeks ahead of time, you start backing off to build up your energy, and when race day comes, you are chomping at the bit, and you're standing there in a, in a queue with hundreds of other people who've made that same dedication, and you're thinking, boy, today is going to be the day, and finally that gun sounds, and you start trotting out there. You've got so much energy, and invariably, this happens to almost every runner, The pace that you had planned to run for the whole race, well, you blow that away. I mean, that first mile, you are running so fast because you feel so good. Very much like when you came out of that water of baptism. Man, I'm going to conquer the world for Jesus. That's how you bolt out of those blocks and you are cruising along. First few miles, say five or six miles, you're still feeling so good. And then you kind of get into your pace, and that initial, that initial uh, vigor and enthusiasm has kind, kind of waned down a little bit now, because you're getting into your pace, you're into the long part of the run, you're trying to psych yourself up about those difficult middle miles, and you're doing okay. Not as enthusiastic at the start, but still, you're pretty excited, and you're feeling good about yourself. Until you hit about mile 18, 19, 20. It's at that point that most people refer to it as hitting the wall. And when you hit that wall, it feels like all the energy in your body is just drained out. And now you start having doubts. I've still got eight miles to go. I don't know if I could do this. You start looking around on the road for a place to lay down. I mean, every part of your body is hurting and you just feel so depleted. But in the back of your mind, you keep telling yourself, wait a minute, I trained for this. This is my thing. I'm in the middle of it now. Let's go. And somehow or other, you pull up those reserves again Kind of one of those common things we talk about, but in the runner's world, this is a reality. You get your second wind, and it just like energy comes out of nowhere and picks you up, and you keep running that race. And as much as you dedicated yourself to it, here you're at the very end of that race. So many times in these races, I will see people who make it, let's say, 24 miles They've only got 2.2 miles to go, but they pulled a muscle or they've just given up. They cannot take another step. A little wagon comes along, picks them up, carries them away. To me, it is such a sad thing to see, somebody having run that entire race nearly to the end, but having given up. You make it to 26, you've only got 0.2 miles to go. You think that 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 is something I run without even thinking every single day. But now it's become the greatest challenge of your life. It's like scaling Mount Everest, <laughs> but with but with that desire to finish the race, there isn't anything that would stand in the way now of finishing your course and then you receive your medal and get a free banana. <laughs> I think about that race and I think about the Christian life and I see so much the same things happening. Dedication, enthusiasm to begin with. Maybe a commitment. But so many people toward the end of that race, saddest thing in the world, giving up before accomplishing their goal. God help us to live our life as a servant of Jesus Christ, to the extent that we are a living sacrifice for him. Romans chapter 12 talks about that, beginning at verse 1. I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not, be to the, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, become the example of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not give up. You know, live this life as a sacrifice for Jesus. Having begun well, make it all the way to the end. When I look back, when I think about what faith is, faith trusts that what God said to do, I will do, and I will land on solid ground. I want us in light of that to remember the faith of our fathers. And, and I mentioned to you that much of this is reflecting on what had happened before, especially chapter 11 with that list of the faithful of God. Now, you saw that he said that we must run, but our text says to run with endurance. Now, that word endurance could have been fleshed out a little bit, honestly. The idea is a courageous endurance. Not that I'm just going to stick to it, but that I'm going to stick to it with absolute courage. I am ready to face whatever comes my way. What would give me confidence like that? Well, what gives me confidence is knowing that if I will equip myself as the Lord has shown me to commit myself, that I will be able to face anything. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Put on your armor. <laughs> you say, well, Ken, uh, seriously, you know, the, why wouldn't I? Well, you should, but so many of us, oh, we'll put on our armor, so to speak, on a Sunday or when we're studying the Word of God. But a soldier, if he's going into the battle, he puts on his, soldier, he puts on his armor every day. In fact, he's going to put on his armor so long as he's sure he's going to be engaging the enemy. Well, let's ask this question. When do I, as a child of God, engage the enemy? Well, that's continually. So let's continually have our armor on. Let's make sure that we are equipped for the battle that is raging. When I look at those who were exemplars of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, I see people who had their armor on. Now, he talks about those, boys, those ancient characters of faith, like, for instance, Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God also testifying those gifts, and though he is dead, still he speaks. Notice this about Abel. By faith, Abel offered. Offered is an action word. It's a verb. According to his faith, Abel acted. Well, what did he do? He offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. How did he know it was pleasing? Well, since it was by faith, and we know Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, God must have told Abel what to offer, and then he offered it. Now, see, that's simple. I don't know why or what I should do, but if God says do it, that's the thing. Abel did it. He leapt. He leapt. And where did he land? Well, he landed where God intended for him to. Uh, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Notice now, Enoch, by faith, pleased God. Question What did he do? Well, he pleased God. That's an action, it's a verb. By faith, he acted. By faith, he pleased God. And that was so important, he goes on in verse 6 to kind of add to that. He says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Enoch, well, you get it. He was able to please God on the basis of that faith. It was an action. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Again, let's look at this and see if we find the same kind of things. By faith, what did he do? He prepared, he acted. It's a verb. His faith was demonstrated by his action. And uh, I don't guess there's... (laughs) any more to-the-point description of that than what you find about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a land which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as in tents with Isaac and Jacob. There is with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now God says, I'm preparing this for you. So he waited for that. I don't know where it's going to be or what's the deal, but I trust that if God says for me to leave my homeland and to go on this quest, that he's going to allow me, he's going to make it possible for my feet to land exactly where they should be. Get that now. Abraham obeyed. He trusted that God's preparing a city. He didn't even know where. He lived in a tent in the land that God would eventually give His people. Didn't even realize this is the land He's promised. All he knew was, I'm going to do what God says. Action. I'm going to obey. Without carrying that through for lack of time, you will see the same things happening with Sarah, his wife, and Isaac, his son, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and Israel, and Rahab. And by the time you get through this chapter down to about verse 32, he says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens." Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that so they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were tortured, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect or or complete. So here's an entire list of people throughout all of history who did exactly the same thing. They had faith in God. That faith in God motivated and inspired action. And he says, you're the beneficiary of that. Now, here's the question I have for you. What would you say your verb is? For instance, by faith, Ken, and then fill in the blank. What is it? You say, well, Ken, you know, I, I've, I've been serving God all my life. I got all kinds of verbs. Okay, I'm sure all those people did too. But there was one thing. There was one thing for which they were most famous. It was this thing that people of future... ...back at and say, of all the things that he or she did, this is the thing that really testified to their faith. What's yours? What would you say your defining action. Would be. And by the way, is it, is it hard? You know, is it nothing coming to mind? We're going to be people of faith, aren't we? We're going to be people of faith who, when God says jump, we jump. God will provide the action that we can be noted for. And will, will you take action? Will you do it? So let's do this. Let's, uh, let's revive. Let's revive the faith of the fathers. So he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who do we look to? Well, I can look to, uh, you know, Ken, those great people of faith, Abel and Enoch and Noah. Don't do that. I mean, they're great examples, but we have one in fact, we, we wear his name, don't we? We have one whose faith was greater than all. In fact, the text says that he's the author, the beginner of faith, the finisher, the end of faith. He's the beginning the end of faith. I look to Jesus. Look at Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 21, it says, For to this you were called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, but whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Hang on to Jesus. Why? Well, because Jesus endured all the way to the very end. Jesus endured to the end to save all of us. And if Jesus would do that for me... Now listen, Abel, he's a great example to me, sure. Uh, Enoch, great example. Noah, great example. Abraham, great example. All of them great examples. But Jesus' example is, is rooted in my own salvation. So when I look at Jesus, I say, more than anybody else. I want to follow in his steps. Absolutely. Because he, he went to death on my behalf. That was his action. Look at some folks who took that seriously, like Stephen. Boy, in two verses of Scripture Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60, Stephen just absolutely embodies Jesus Christ in his death. Stephen's about to be stoned. In fact, he's in the midst of his stoning. He prays that the Lord will receive His Spirit. Just like Jesus prayed to the Father, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen prayed on behalf of those who were stoning him that God would not charge them with that sin. Jesus did the same thing from the cross, did He not? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Stephen embodied Jesus Christ or somebody like Barnabas. Now, I don't get, get the sense that Barnabas died for the cause, but he certainly gave what was in his possession for the good of the church. Remember that? In Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32, Now the multitude of those who believed were one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. They distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas said, you know what? I've got something here. Now, he was a Levite. I, I don't know exactly why that was mentioned. I think it was mentioned because, you know, everybody in Israel had land allotted to them due to their family connections and say, if I had a piece of property, that's my property. It's always going to be my property. Even if I sell it to you, eventually it comes back into my possession. In fact, when they sold property, it was based on the fact that one of these days it's going back to that family. So, You know, they amortized it. You you only pay so much because you're going to have it for so long. Not so with the Levites. The Levites were not given land as a family right. If they had land, it's because either somebody gave it to them or they bought it with their own money. So this sacrifice that Barnabas is making is not one he's thinking, well, I'm going to give this land, but one of these days, I'm going to get that back. Now Barnabas is like, I sell this, that's done. But you know what it's important that I do this, so I'm gonna sell to my own loss so that others can benefit. That was a sacrifice, just like Jesus. Or think about the Apostle Paul, who basically did both. He both gave his life for the cause and he gave his stuff. Here's his life. Second Timothy chapter four, six and following said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid out for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who love his appearance. Paul said, I've done it. I've done all that I can do. And I'm thinking he gave all he could give, don't you? Second Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 22. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prison more frequently and deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of the Gentiles, and perils of, of my own countrymen, and perils of the wilderness, perils in the city, perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirsting and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity." Paul says, I don't care what I've lost. Wait, stop. Most of us, if we've ever suffered anything for Jesus Christ, we'll wear that one thing out. We'll say, you know those years ago when I had to this or that? We'll hang our hat on that. Or somebody say, well, now I, I've served all these years, and now I'm retired. I'm going to let the younger people take over. What? Paul didn't hang his hat on one thing. <laughs> He just had a catalog of things. He wasn't thinking I've accomplished it. He was thinking I'm still in this race. I still have lots to do. I still have, well, I still have faith in the Lord who has plotted my course. I trust him. And when he says jump, I'm going to jump. I'm going to land exactly where he intended for me to land. So I'm thinking all of us, maybe, are in that boat. You've been thinking about it now for a few minutes. What do you decide your verb is? What's your action? What is it that really testifies to your faith? Now, if you're still struggling with that, isn't the lesson obvious? Better be getting busy. (laughs) Better find that thing and then get busy doing it. And when the Lord says, jump, just jump. You say, well, Ken, I don't know where my feet are going to land. You may not, but the Lord knows. How about we trust him for the outcome? Listen, if you're a child of God, this is your mission. You are currently in the race of your life. Don't give up before the end. Who knows how near that end is? Let's keep persevering. If you're not a child of God, today's the day to begin that race. So if, if you've come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then today act on that belief. Confess your faith that He indeed is the Son of God. And in that, recognize mistakes you've made and repent. Turn away from them and walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus into His death, His burial, and His resurrection through the act of faith in baptism. When you rise up out of that water, your sins will have been washed away. And you'll begin your journey. You'll begin fast right out, of the, right out of the gate. But don't you dare slow up. You keep running for the Lord. Step by step, the Lord giving guidance. And one day, you'll finish your race as Paul finished his, and you'll receive that crown. Maybe you need to make some changes. You need prayers of the congregation, or you need to obey the gospel. I encourage you to contact me, contact one of the elders. Let us help serve you in this time of transition. And thank you for your attention this morning. Thank you,
1: Brother Ken, for that lesson. To prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing Night with Evan Pinion. Night with heaven pinion Rooted o'er the veil All around was silent Say the night winds wail When Christ the man of sorrow In tears and sweat and blood Prostrate in the garden Raise his voice to God. Have a father, father, if indeed it may. Let this cup of anguish pass from me, I pray. Yet if it must be suffered, might me, thine only Son, have a father.
0: As we prepare our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper, if you have your Bibles at home, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body Bow with me. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread. And we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. We pray that we partake of this bread in a manner that is pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow with me. Likewise, Father, we thank you for this cup, which represents the blood that Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. Our prayer is that we partake of this cup in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. We know we're all blessed in so many ways, and at this time, we do want to remember, even though we can't give here at the church at this time, uh, there are ways that we can give, uh, and we want to thank the Lord for all the blessings he's blessed us with. Please bow with me. Dear God, we thank you for our jobs and our ability to make money, and God, we just pray that we remember to give to you the portion that is yours because all blessings come from you, Father. And we are so thankful for all that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> again, just a few announcements before we are, uh, for our service is over. Uh, we uh, want to remind you again that next Sunday morning, August 30th, Uh, We will be in-person service. We look forward to that, look forward to the fellowship. Uh, Continue to remember all those of our number who are sick and need our prayers. And uh, we pray that all of you have a great week out in the world, doing our best to serve the Lord. And uh, we'll have our closing prayer at this time. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for all that you do for each and every one of us. We're so thankful there's a church planted here in Boonville. Please be with our church. Help us grow in spirit and in truth. Thank you for the lesson that Brother Ken just provided us. Thank you for sending him to us. Please help us remember to follow your word and obey you in all that we do. And God, please increase our faith each and every day. Forgive us where we failed you, Father. Help us each and every day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.